there, Brian here from Franchise Simply with our latest Franchise Radio show. Delighted to be back. We've just had a holiday here and uh, getting back onto the, uh, I suppose, behind the desk and so forth. And delighted to invite my first guest of the year this year. So our guest today is Dean Lightfoot. Now, I'll give you a bit of a background. The objective of these of these uh, conversations, of course, are to broaden your knowledge and a range of things. And today's really is, is looking at emerging franchises to get an idea of what's happening in the market, who's coming in and particularly in this case this is a, a franchise that's coming up in Australia from overseas so it's an interesting journey and there are a lot of people I know always looking at possibly bringing systems from overseas whether it's Europe whether it's the US or Brazil or whatever so you may find this helpful but in any event I think anybody interested in business and franchising will find this quite an enlightening story because there's a lovely background to this as well so we're calling this and um, today we're calling this emerging franchise or insight there we are nautical bar is the name of the franchise group and Dean Lightfoot as I say is who I'm talking with today so Dean he's had a very hands-on journey um, in business over three decades been involved in franchising with a number of groups Gelatissimo Baskin Robbins Andersons and got involved really during that time in every facet of franchising from site, ne- site negotiations selections store training delivering and marketing programs really across the board not just in Australia but internationally as well and, and I suppose his focus has always been on franchisees, so uplifting and supporting them. He's a very firm believer, believer that when you prioritise and support your franchisees, success naturally follows for the brand. And there are many examples that are out there to illustrate the truth in that matter. So at heart, I suppose you could say his core is as an advocate for creating unparalleled customer experiences. So that, Dean, with that little introduction, lovely to catch up with you. How are you? Yeah, thanks, Brian. Very good, mate. Um, appreciate you taking the time today. Been, um, it's been a long three decades uh, sometimes when you look back but yeah franchising is definitely at my heart and it started you know back in my McDonald's days when I became quite passionate about the Golden Arches right okay well that's interesting so we might even touch on touch base on that a little bit so just to remind people are listening if you aren't driving your car maybe a notebook and a pencil might be helpful otherwise of course you can always go back and replay uh, with, with the recording as you wish so moving forward from there I suppose maybe you could give us a bit of your background you know what led you to franchising originally? Maybe you could give us a bit of a, a picture of that, Dean. Yeah, sure, Brian. Thank you. It's as I mentioned, started at McDonald's. I worked with uh, the Golden Arches for almost ten years, uh, both on the licensee side, uh, training new licensees, and also for the corporate side, McCopco. McDonald's would have been obviously where a lot of us in in franchising now at my age. That's where we our backgrounds formed that critical thinking and the capacity to run restaurants mm. and knowing that customers service is so important. I've said recently to a couple of people who have inquired about our new brand is that you could have the most amazing product in the world, but if you don't have the right customer service and the, the experience, the, the gentleman or the lady down the road that has an average product, a mediocre product, but amazing customer service and experience, they're going to win hands down. Mm, so yeah. it's all so, so critical. It is, I think particularly today, you know, with the upheaval of the last few years, we all know about COVID, but there's a lot more than that with the increase in tech and so forth and people's attitudes and 
new generation coming through. I'm seeing certainly out there very quickly established brands really diminishing in their presence because they obviously haven't got their finger on the pulse. They haven't got the energy or the commitment or the insight to understand the importance. So I suppose maybe you could just uh, answer one question that I had when we first touched base. What is nautical bowls? <laughs> yeah, sure. Thank you. So nautical bowls is a concept out of the US from Minnesota, uh, founded by a lovely young couple. And they approached uh, a gentleman by the name of Peter Taunton, who's the founder of Snap Fitness, because he lived just around the corner from them. They didn't know if they should take their two successful stores into growing a multi sort of ownership unit for them privately, or should they franchise it? Long story short, they ended up franchising it with Peter's support and he bought into the brand. Peter reached out to myself about a year ago and asked me if I'd be interested in, you know, bringing nautical bowls to Australia. It's an acai product. It has six base sorbets instead of just the acai. So the differentiation for the consumer and also for potential franchisees is that we have six sorbets to choose from, not just acai. Um, mm-hmm. It's all plant-based. It's all made from organic or all natural ingredients. It's uh, incredibly good for you, full of, you know, lots and lots of antioxidants. Uh, the ingredients taste beautiful together. It's a meal replacement. Some people use it before or after a gym workout. If they're out and about for a snack, we're also about to start smoothies for that grab and go convenience side of things as well. And probably one of the most important things uh, about Nordica Bowls Australia is that all of our products are manufactured in Australia. We didn't import. We oh. decided to, to invest in manufacturing in Australia. And so all of our products are Australian fruits, except for the acai that has to come from Brazil. But everything else is Australian made and grown. Oh, that's interesting. We we used to run a franchise called Colombo's, which is an American um, sort of frozen yogurt business yep. in the 90s. But that all had to come from the US, of course. That so was a fairly costly and time-consuming exercise to bring it in. So the commitment to manufacturing locally indicates to me, hey, you guys are serious. So, I mean, I've heard of Peter Taunton. He's very well known, not just because of Snap Fitness, but the whole organization of Lyft Brands. I mean, that's a massive organization he's created. And uh, he's obviously someone who's got enormous knowledge and understanding of business and of fitness and of yeah. health. That's where Nautical Bowls comes in, isn't it? What you describe sort of fits the bill of what people are migrating to from the point of view of dietary preferences these days. Yeah, absolutely. It's clean eating. You can go in and know that anything on the menu is going to be vegan. It's going to be plant-based. And while sometimes those terms meet, oh, is it going to taste like hardboard or is it going to be, it's a beautiful product. 50% of our guests in Australia, since we've opened the first three stores in the past three weeks, are return guests. So people are loving the product. So we're monitoring that data, but also we're trying very hard to communicate and, and share with the communities around the stores what the product is, what it's about. Kids love it. Parents love it because their children are eating something really healthy and it's clean and, you know, beautiful, conscious eating that you know what's in your mouth is, you know, good for your body. I'm licking my lips I'm sitting here. <laughs> so tell me, maybe you can add a bit more. Peter Taunton is recognised. He's quite a heavy hitter. I'm interested to know you, you've got a partnership with him. How, how did that come about, Dean? Yeah, so when Peter reached out to me through one of his team in Australia, he was looking for someone who had franchisee and franchisor experience. My franchisor experience comes from working with other brands, which you alluded to. And I'd also, uh, I had seven Subway stores for about 10 years, about oh, 10 years ago, actually, I sold my last one. So he was looking for someone who had the experience across all levels. And as 
you mentioned earlier, uh, some experience in Europe with with consulting. So he wanted someone on the ground that was hands-on and that he could work with. So Peter and I formed a relationship and an understanding for the Australian market. He's still the main franchisor. I'm the area developer. So Peter and I work this market together. And for me, it's great because I can learn from him things about franchising with his expertise that I don't know. Because, you know, in life, there are things that you don't know that you don't know. And so every time I sit with Peter or we have a call, we catch up once a week. I'm constantly learning things and ways to do things. And he's been incredibly free with, look, Dean, do what you need to do for Australia. Change the store design to suit the Australian market. Change the flavor profiling or the menu where you need to. We're not going to push the US agenda on you. Just stick through to the concept. Yeah, very, very wise. We've seen so many from Krispy Kreme and numerous others that have come to Australia and imposing what they think is the obvious solution here, which is what suits in America. And uh, and it's interesting because we've seen a lot of groups, you know, there's a significant number of groups emigrated from Australia to overseas. And I look at people like John O'Brien from Pool Works and others who've, who've found, um, you know, Boost Juice, that ultimately they only really succeeded if they had a local partner who knew the marketplace, but also I think probably related to people when they were growing the business. Someone, someone local, they felt like it's just a trust issue, I think, as well. And we'll go on to that because um, you mentioned mentioned uh, one thing about sites. So retail sites are always something of question. And I hear a lot of people complaining at the moment about how rents went up after the COVID. So people are still feeling a lot of rental pressure. And what's your experience? I mean, you've got a lot of background in finding retail sites. What's the story at the moment? How are you finding things? We're finding there's opportunity. I think sometimes you really need to be calm and do as much scientific and data gathering as possible, be it using gap maps or mango maps or any data sets you can possibly find. Yes, they cost money, but the investment's worth it, especially if you can do some, you know, MasterCard data tracking. And there's a couple of firms that can do that for you in Australia and really understand the locations. But also you couldn't possibly sign up on a site without walking the pavement and watching the local traffic because you can be 10 meters from success, literally. And also not letting ego get in the way saying, geez, we'd look great here. Yeah, you might look good there, but what's your rent going to be? Yes. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. So I think that with our footprint requirements, we're a very small footprint. We we don't need to be in the most amazing location and, and massive rents. We need to be in smart fiscal locations that will work long term and that are easy operations and, and not, you know, not too difficult for our franchisees. So what you're saying is you really need to know your demographics and uh, mm. um, not just the population, but the parcel traffic, etc, um, mm. etc. Et yeah, so I gather what you're saying there, talking about mango maps and so forth. There's a lot of information available, but going in blind on impulse is a very high risk strategy. And it's tempting, isn't it? You know, I, I talk to people at the moment and say, wow, this site came up. I couldn't re- I couldn't say no. Um, yeah. Hang on, say maybe, I think is what you're saying. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. So you're fairly fresh in the market here. Can you give me your, your history? You've only opened recently. Where, where are you at with regards to store openings and when and where and, and the model you're adopting at the moment from the point of view of store ownership, Dean? <laughs> yeah, so the three stores that we recently opened just before Christmas, they're all corporate stores, so we own them. The, the first site we opened was at Q Supercenter on the Gold Coast, which is a little neighborhood center. And uh, we did that to have a nice little shop in a 50 square meter, very standard neighborhood strip where we can prove the concept that that model works in that location with a a local community and not reliant on a tourist or a seasonal traffic. And uh, that actually, we opened that store with Peter. So he came over from the US with his uh, trainer, his head trainer, and we served uh, 500 bowls in four hours. We did a giveaway. (laughs) Yeah. So that was was really really insightful uh, and you know the local community
community got right behind it. And a lot of those are returning customers. The The second store we opened was in West Village in West End in Brisbane. And uh, we have our grand opening uh, coming up in a week's time there where we're giving away free bowls for three hours. And then uh, we opened Hillary's as well just before Christmas in Perth at Hillary's Boardwalk. And their grand opening is this Saturday where we'll be giving away 100 free bowls. Well, you're going to be busy. You're traveling around the country. So that's, that's yeah. interesting. I often talk to people in terms of what we call the Olympic rings, which I really learned from Subway um, back in the early days in the States. When they, when they opened their stores, they opened all fairly close to each other. So they're building up brand recognition. You've obviously chosen not to adopt that method necessarily right at this moment in time. So I'm I'm curious of your saying, okay, let's go into Perth, which you're living on the Gold Coast. It's a three and a half, four hour flight or whatever, depends on which way the wind's blowing. Yeah. Um, what's your rationale on that? I think a lot of people will be interested. The rationale there was purely opportunistic. When we signed our agreement with the US, we were presented with a gentleman through a contact of mine in Perth, who was incredibly uh, highly regarded in WA and uh, highly experienced, uh, worked with some big brands over there. And we decided to um, have him join our team and to look after the WA market wholly and solely. I see Western Australia needs its own people. We've set up a supply chain over there. We've put everything into a DC. So they're just pulled directly from, from a, the warehouse over there. They don't have to wait for it to come over. We're always just upload, uploading it. And, you know, Gordon's responsibility is use his local knowledge of everything and anything to manage that market together with myself. I think if you want to grow any market, you should have a local person who understands the market and the, the new franchisees coming on board have that person that's always there for them, ready to support them. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. From your experience, I'm not surprised you're adopting that that approach and it's it's great to see because it is an investment in time and people. Um, yeah. And uh, and obviously, you know, quite an investment from a point of view of your initial upfront side of things. You're looking at infrastructure, you're looking at manufacturing, you're looking at senior sort of level staff. Yeah. So, so what's your longer term plans and how, you know, what do you see as your journey there? There from Hillary's and West End and the Q Centre on the Gold Coast. Yeah, so the next lot of stores are lined up. They are in there's several in Brisbane, uh, uh, Gold Coast, and then obviously Perth. So we'll focus in those areas where we, we already have stores. Our supply chain partner is incredibly supportive, and they have DCs all over Australia. So as soon as we have a franchisee or a corporate store opportunity in Sydney or Melbourne, they're ready to stock their warehouse to support those stores opening. It's all an investment in the long term, as you alluded to. It's not how much money can I make today. It's well, no. Where, how can I position the brand for the next five years to have the right infrastructure and support? Right. So so from that point of view, you say your broad experience, how do you go about supporting your franchisees in this emerging brand? I mean, it's early days. You're early at the moment. You say you've got corporate stores, but as your franchisees come into the picture, how do you see yourself? What's the commitment there? And what's your philosophy around that support and ongoing training and so forth, Dean? Yeah, so ongoing support and training will be from our, you know, our local area is where in Perth you've got Gordon so he'll be there to support them and then myself in Queensland um, you know some of our team so our current store managers in the Queensland stores are being trained up purposefully to become trainers and support staff so they'll be accountable for a corporate store but then they'll go out and support our franchisees as required and then uh, ongoing so if a person was to invest in a store then a, a certain percentage uh, a significant amount of their franchise will be invested in local store marketing to, to help grow that store initially it's not a oh thanks for the franchise fee you should be okay. See you later. My McDonald's days really impressed on me the criticalness of training and mm -hmm. also connecting with the community. So we're just about to, we've just printed off uh, about 10,000 encouraging
encouragement awards and they'll go out to schools sporting clubs we'll take you know free vouchers out to local offices and local um, companies just so we can tell them about the products and once they try the products they'll come in they'll want to be uh, become regular customers right so I suppose um, we obviously share a similar philosophy you know ongoing support and training is obviously the key and it's interesting that you're investing in your store managers to become literally your field managers down yep. the track. right yep. so you're really doing several steps at once with that regard so from that point of view what, what would be the profile of the person you're looking for to open your first stores you know the ones you've got up and running and indeed that are opening in the next week or two so the inquiries we've already had some uh, franchise inquiries from melbourne sydney uh, gold coast and perth what we're seeing are people that are actually experienced in franchising themselves and also then people who have totally different type of retail businesses that have seen the brand and have seen the emergence of other brands and the success of brands like oakberry which is doing you know doing very well and it's also a great product you know this is a new proven model as a new category that people are moving towards they're looking for a plant-based product or something that makes them feel good that it's good to eat they don't have to think about what part of the menu can i eat they know they can come into a nautical bowls and just well, whatever's on the menu is going to be great for you so you don't have to have eat a salad some people have what we call salad fatigue you can have something that's really tasty it's full of antioxidants and, and nutrients to support your life uh, we say superfood super life right so you're on the back of the experience from the u.s and i, yep. I appreciate as you say um you know your partner in the business peter Tornton's obviously got a, a large network experience but how many outlets are operating over there in in the states Steve? yeah so currently i think it's 64 a couple opened on the weekend in the u.s right. they have they've been going in franchising for close to three years now in the u.s they've sold 195 locations and at any time that they have about 40 or 50 under construction uh the reason there's so many under construction is the from what i'm led to believe is the construction time and approvals in the u.s can take some time whereas in australia we're a little bit more efficient i think well that's the first time i've heard anybody who's been almost complimentary about the process of getting your da's and approvals and working with councils so it must be bad over there yeah, <laughs> um, yeah we're lucky here we're there you are we we systems and processes i think we need to share that news and say hey we don't realize how lucky we are we're, we're fortunate here of course always singing this song in so many ways but that's yeah. one there's a new one on my list so uh, <laughs> be conscious of that again i remember one of the fitness groups that's gone to the states and uh, has found quite significant problems and delays i think they went to florida but they found it's taken much much longer than they ever imagined to get up and running which you know can put somebody really into a very difficult situation because you all your fixed costs while you're waiting to get up yeah. and running um yeah. so um looking on from that and um, getting up to your your sort of goal your five-year plan um what, what do you see as your biggest challenges up ahead dean um the biggest challenges uh will be making sure that we find the right retail locations mm. and ensuring that we really focus on delivering outstanding customer experiences yeah yeah i mean yours is to a degree a destination center but really it's passing traffic is the main thing isn't it so having good visibility and so forth which comes with that demand that challenge so are you focusing predominantly on shopping centers or strips what's your uh, what's your your sort of goal there yeah so we're probably focusing more on strip centers and sort of you know places close to a beach and they could be country towns that have a beautiful beach culture mm. uh, the beauty about the model is it doesn't need to be a high turnover model to to be a good investment it's a very low staff base with our stores and the experience we've had now we can see that we can operate a store with very low, low overheads from a staffing side and obviously that it will change with the individual on what type of staff they decide to employ and how much time they invest
invest in the stores themselves? Yeah, that comes, I mean, 2024, um, I see indication of staffing challenges being overcome. Hospitality has been, like in most places in the world, been not for six in the last two or three or four years. How are you finding it attracting good staff? Because that seems to be the thing, is finding staff who are, you know, have the right attitude, are committed, reliable, and so forth. Uh, I hear people, you know, still finding challenges with that. How are you finding that side of things, Dean? I have to be honest, when we advertised for our three stores, two of the stores, the one the Gold Coast and Brisbane, between the two of them, had over 106 applicants. And we just used a platform called Indeed, and it worked incredibly well. And we were able to really see what we're looking for, who represents our brand, who's customer-centric. I wasn't too interested in experience or food or anything. Uh, One of our managers uh, who runs the Brisbane store had no food experience. But she's a great customer uh, focus and uh, I can see her being an outstanding trainer and support person in the field for our franchisees. Yeah, that's interesting. I remember with Boost Juice as one of their philosophies and there are others as well that I've seen that say they're not looking for experience, they're just looking for energy, enthusiasm and, and basically that sort of intelligent approach from the individual because you can teach most things if people aspire to, I suppose, to progress themselves and so forth and uh, obviously got a great respect and love for the product. That's interesting. So from the point of view of your franchises, what's your philosophy and what's your approach in this case with, uh, you know, with, with your business, with Nautical Bowls, with regards to being owner operators as opposed to being investors with regards to your, your branches that you open? I think any brand wants their operators to be in store. Yeah. I think it's really important that an owner is aware of what's happening uh, in their stores, that they're working in their stores to an element. Yes, the obviously the idealistic goal is let me build the business so that it can be more of a passive business so they're not there full time. Uh, we would support that. Our training and processes are designed towards that side. In the US, I think 90% of their franchisees are not in the stores. They have management running the store for them. And and a lot of those have actually retained their current careers. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying that's a model we'll do because I believe that, you know, you should be hands-on in your business. And that's where the greatest opportunity is within your four walls to really grow your own business and and look at second or third stores. Our entry cost is incredibly low and we've worked hard to get it very low compared to um, some other, you know, opportunities that I've seen. Right. So, So without asking for you to give away any secrets, what sort of parameters are you looking at to set an outlet up from a bare bones greenfield site then dean yeah so a bare bones greenfield site including the franchise fee is going to be well under two hundred thousand dollars well unless it's a massive you know 150 square meter store that needs a lot of you know extra work done to it Hmm. but we're looking at some of our stores are 18 square meters Uh, one of them's 22 and one of them's just under 50 oh so So you can fit into shoe boxes as well that's fantastic (laughs) yeah absolutely yeah but with regards to multi-store owners i mean we know that's the trend internationally particularly in the states i mean the percentage of stores that are multiple uh, franchisees is is significant but i remember going to a a presentation i think it was ian leslie was his name was the ceo of mcdonald's going back into the late 80s 
Yeah. And I remember being asked a question, him being asked a question, can I have two McDonald's stores? And in those days, he said, absolutely not. It's one yeah. store, one person, hands on. Of course, I've done a bit of work with Maccas. I know their systems, their devotion to anything that comes up, any new bit of software, they, you know, they've got an appetite for it. It's extraordinary now when you look at the number of franchisees they've got that have got, you know, five, eight, 10, 15 franchises. So is that the way Subway have done the same thing, of course, you know, prove yourself in one and then you can have a, a number in that area. Is is that something you see? Is that part of your ambition or just you see one way of going? I definitely see multi-unit ownership with this brand. Mm. And we would like to hopefully work with partners who see that they'll have a site in one area, make that work. And then we work with them in areas around their first store. Yeah. I would sooner work with a partner and let them have some access to maybe two territories around them and they're locked for them for at least a year or two. Yes. So they have the opportunity to, to grow. I don't want to burden people or build on top of them for the sake of growth. I prefer to see people be successful and that way they can really work with their communities, with their sports organizations, with the schools and create a nice hub of two or three stores that one family owns. Look, I think this information for those of you listening who are franchisors, whether you're emerging or established or aiming to go down that route, you can hear the amount of background work going into developing the chain. It's really not an ad hoc sort of process and, and certainly that's where Dean's experience in the past is so valuable so having you know often a lot of franchisors don't have experience beyond their own business because it's come up from being a business they started from a concept but the value of getting somebody on your team has got a track record knows their way around understands these things I think it is invaluable so do you intend to remain actively involved in this business to a large degree Dean or do you see yourself stepping away as more of an investor no I love it I um I work in stores now so I'll base myself from a store and, and do my day-to-day -day work and serve customers because I need to make sure I know the product and the trends and who's busyness and I ask most customers how they felt about the product what can we improve on we've been trialing smoothie flavors for the past two weeks so any customer that comes in we offer them a free smoothie and see what they think about it so I've always been hands-on I would much prefer to serve some customers during the day and work a couple extra hours at night or over the weekend to catch up on admin than just to be stuck behind a desk yeah today I'm talking with Dean Lightfoot from Nautical Belt Bowls Australia. So you just mentioned there with regards to that, to working in the store. One of the biggest challenges I find with new and emerging franchisors is they, they have that passion for working in the business. But if you're going to grow and you're going to delegate, leverage, put on staff, you've got to step away to have time working on it. How do you overcome that challenge? Because it is a it is a difficult one for people that letting go, obviously you enjoy it. You enjoy the customer interface and it's lovely to have a, a little dose of that every now and again. But how do you see yourself handling that? Oh, as the brand grows, my focus is in for the needs of the franchisees. So my, my focus will be out in stores on the road where possible and making sure that, you know, I can support them to generate success for, for their families and making sure that my finger's on the pulse. And then I have a team around me. We have, we've appointed a national media agency uh, that manage, you know, everything uh, from strategy side. And we meet every week to update that. We've actually been meeting and engaged them back in September. So they've been on the ball for four months before we even opened a store so it was very strategic of how we would launch the brand what we would do what's working monitoring the market i appointed uh, a highly experienced individual in supply chain and that was also back in september um, to make sure that you know his experience from having worked with subway internationally and other large brands mark has delivered you know some great results for us to make sure that our supply chain our contract management is all in alignment and it's i guess it's that aces in their places i can't be everything to everyone 
So mm. I need to make sure we just have the right people supporting us. I think that, again, is a lesson for people who are getting emerging businesses who haven't been involved with larger ones before is you need someone with those skills. You may have somebody who wears three hats. You may put in external experts or consultants just for a few hours a week or whatever it might be. But you need people who know what they're doing yeah. to better trust them and rely upon them. Yeah, um, absolutely. Think, really enjoying our conversation. It's, it's great to hear someone who's invested in seriously up front in moving into establishing a new chain here um, and I hope a lot of people have gained some some insights as to how they perhaps would move into even if they're just moving into state it's the same exercise really whether you're interstate overseas you're still going to build your local footprint was there anything you'd like to add things I've overlooked sort of asking you that um, you feel might be of interest to our listeners I no I just I'll come back to the main key point is everything we've done since you know we decided to bring this brand to Australia how can I help other people become franchisees and how can I support them the best? If I'm doing my best and the team's doing their best to support them, by default, it's going to work and we're going to be successful. And that doesn't mean I need to charge as much as possible or do anything possible to make a dollar today. It's how do we do this over the long term to see everyone, you know, succeed at this. And, you know, if we have multi-unit owners, that's the that's the easiest way to grow a brand with strength and a great backbone and great culture. Yeah. Okay. Well, great, great insight. Look, thank you very much for sharing that. It's been delightful having a chat to you i really enjoyed the conversation i'm sure we'll catch up again and i'll certainly be keeping an eye open for nautical bowls um Thanks, Brian. not that far from the q center so when i'm down that way i will pop in brilliant <laughs> but, uh, Thanks so much for spending that time with us today because you're obviously a very busy man with your store openings coming up, one this week, one the following week. So I'm sure everyone will say it's uh, been a privilege having the opportunity to get to know about you and learning a bit more about the blueprint of the model that you're that you're, you're developing here. I um, wish you every success with it. So from that point of view, if people would like to learn a bit more about yourself, your organisation, where could I direct them to, Dean? Yeah, so our website, nauticalbowls.com.au. If my details are on there, or they can just fill out uh, an inquiry form. Um, and I'm happy to answer any, you know, general questions or information about franchising or about the brand. Uh, I think franchising is a community and a lot of us who have been in it for a long time know each other and support each other. And I know I've had to make a lot of calls to people to, you know, get advice and get their support as well in the tough times. Well, you're referring there, of course, to the franchise community. And for people who don't step out into the franchise community, I think that just reinforces the benefit you've mentioned of being able to contact people you know get advice get insights get people's names and numbers and so forth where can i get this where can i get that don't leave yourself as an orphan when you've got an amazing organization amazing infrastructure in franchising with the local franchise council of australia uh, chambers and so on and so forth so i really would impress upon you if you're looking to grow your business do get involved with these organizations because you'll find it so invaluable so invaluable over time so all right well thanks very much indeed dean chat to you look forward as i say to catching up again and as it's brian here signing off from this franchise radio show look forward to being with you again um with our next guest so in the meantime enjoy yourselves have a great 2024 every success in franchising and in business and in health etc so thank you and bye